By a show of hands, who has ever played Monopoly or Settlers of Catan or Risk or Diplomacy or any type of like map strategy game? Is that not a reflection of reality? From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Whoa, that got trippy. I made that one a while back and then I was like, oh, but copyright. And then I was also, I just recently was like, you have like maybe 30 people listening to this. So who cares, man? (laughs) If it becomes a problem, I will deal with it. I feel like if it ever does, I'm going to look back at this moment and be like, you idiot. Anywho, think of history. And what is history? It's essentially just looking back at what has been and saying and making sense of it. What was it like for a specific group of people? You got little history as in like a in a room, right? What were the, Who was there? What were the conversations like? Or you could zoom out to the whole house or the city or the state, or the country, or the continent, right? You can, history is, there's like little history and big history. Big picture history. Think of it like a board game. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Like, lay out the map of the globe. And if you look at history, big history, as in like, how how has the world progressed, humanity progressed, If you think of it like a board game, it, one, becomes more interesting, and then, two, starts to make sense. It helps you analyze things. So, let's think about this. You have the map of the world, right? And there are a bunch of different players. And let's say you are one of them. How do you win the game? What is winning? I mean, that's kind of like the point of a game. We need to identify and define like well this is what the game is the complicated thing about this game is it varies let's just say in like the most basic terms you want your society to one currently function and two continue to function and like that's winning we'll count that as a w at the end of the day like if one you're currently functioning that's a w and I think the more you look at history, the more you recognize like that actually is a pretty big deal to function. Revolution is a constant. And then two, you need to be looking into the future and like, okay, we need to continue to function. So like, obviously this week, we want everything to be cool next year. And then in 10 years, we want everything to be cool. That let's just say that's what you want. You have honest 
true intentions, wherever you are on the map. The issue is you are not alone because all these different players around the game have different motivations. Obviously, they have a similar motivation to you of one, we want to currently function. We want to have maybe like sovereignty. We want to be able to make our own decisions within our borders. We want to be our own people. We want to live happy lives. And two, they want to continue to function. But you got this spectrum because there are wild cards in this game. On one end of the spectrum, a player's like, hey man, I just want everyone to get along. And for me, winning is like when the most amount of people in this game are happy. Harmony, yeah? There are other people that are playing the game that are like, dude, screw that. I want to win. And winning is world domination. I want to defeat my enemy. All right, you got the, like, the kumbaya, like there are no enemies, man. Everyone just wants to be happy and live a joyful life. And then the other spectrum, let's say Adolf Hitler and the Nazis is like, no, I want to win. Like win-win, as in beat you all. That the issue is, and the reality is, is if you play the game just for harmony, you're going to get beat by the dogs. <laughs> I don't, you're going to get eaten by the dogs. There are hawks out there. There are wolves out there, I guess, better than, more fierce than dogs. If you just act as if like everything's kumbaya and you don't build a wall around your shelter, that thing's going to get raided. Like that's a reality of the game. Now you need to identify as a, let's say, a country, even though this concept of, concept of country is not relatively new, but think of like early history, it was tribes of people, it was groups of people, let's say hunter-gatherers. And you could have like a village, like a home base, but they weren't like thinking of themselves as like, we are the country of, and like give themselves a name. Perhaps they have a name, or they're just those people. That varies. Now, let's go back to how you win this game. Obviously, you want your society, however large or small that is, to currently function and continue to function. How do you do that? Well, and let's say like we are past hunter-gatherers. We are in like modern times, 1500 to present. I don't know. You need to grow your economy. What does that mean? Imports, export, and I'd like to clarify something right off the bat. I am not a master of anything. I'm a master of none. I do have a master's in teaching and curriculum, which is what I'm doing right now. Essentially, I'm like doing a whole bunch of research and then creating a class out of it. That's what I do. I'm not a master of the specific content. I have a degree in history, so I have that social studies mind. But when I talk about, like, you need to grow your economy, I'm not Warren Buffett. <laughs> yeah, it's a, in my mind, I was like, Jimmy? No, Warren Buffett. I'm not Warren Buffett, all right? So, like, if you're a nerd in a specific thing, cool, contribute, that's lovely, but, like, relax. 
Like Dan Carlin has a dope podcast, Hardcore History, and he says like, I'm not a historian. He just does a lot of research and then tells the story, which is kind of what a historian does. But the historian's like going out into the field and like reading all these letters and collecting that and like making something out of it. He just like collects all the books that historians have written and then makes a nice little package podcast. Anywho, growing your economy. Trade. You need money to be circulating within your society. Yeah? Like if you are, there's imports and exports. If you are just buying things from people and then you have no value, as in like you're not offering things either within your society, so like people are getting money or your nation's getting money, as in like exports, that's not good. So you need something of value. You need a product that's in demand. And for imports, you'd have to find that nice little balance of tariffs. So like, let's say my country, I grow coffee. Yeah. Stevenson coffee. But like, let's say my neighbor country is perhaps a little bit better and maybe even like cheaper. What can I do to try to ensure that people are going to buy my coffee within my own society? tariffs. Also, what products do I have that other societies want? That's exports. Can I sell them? It needs to be in demand. And if you're looking at the map, this is where like geography, spatial thinking gets into play. Especially earlier in history, you need to have a good location. So like if you need to pull up a map of the world, go ahead. If you have like a general idea of the world, which I hope you don't have to like know countries, Think of, let's say, like the Mediterranean. That is a, was, and I don't know about is still, was a like key location. So if you're Italy, let's say, you're sticking out of that. And why? It's because water, right? You're, you can move around faster on water than you can on land. If Italy sticks out, there's probably going to be ports popping up. And the Mediterranean is surrounded by Europe, getting into the Middle East and Northern Africa. That's a whole bunch of stuff. It's like the the woodering hole, if you want to call it that, where like everyone gathers their things and comes and offers it. And like, I'll give you this for this, right? Location is key. One, you want to have a product that is in demand. And two, you need to have a good location. And if you don't have a good location, what do you do? That's a genuine question. Like, let's say looking at the map and Mediterranean is where all this trade is happening. You're England. You are, you're in like the nosebleed section of what's going on. You are not in a, you're, I mean, you're in a decent location as in like you have the ocean so you can like sh- send fleets and ships around. Perhaps it's better than, let's say a landlocked country Austria, where it's like, geez, like I got to and think of technology. Let's go back in the day. Got to just have a bunch of horses, like carry this stuff. This is going to take forever. So being landlocked, not ideal. I mean, think of like where cities pop up on rivers. You got ports on the coast. So what do you do when you're not when you don't have a good location, do you just deal with it or do you try to take a better location? Like, okay, in regards to like, what are my goals here? I need my society to currently function 
and continue to function. I need to get a better location here. So either I'm going to like form an alliance with someone, although they have an advantage, or I'm gonna work up and like take something. I need a more, I need a better location. I have to have this port. So what, negotiate for it? You're gonna like go to a country and be like, hey, can you give me this port? And they're like, no. Or like, what will you offer me? Like they have the advantage. Like, okay, I'm gonna come back with some troops. I'm gonna take this from you. But now you're in conflict. You gotta constantly be fighting over it. But that's part of the game. Is it worth it to you to fight for it? Or you just deal with like, ah, oh, well, I mean, this is where the, the way the cookie crumbles. We're just landlocked and we got to deal with it. We're going to see the implications of that, of dealing with it in a moment. What do you also, you need to grow your economy. You need to develop an economy. So you need to have products that are worth having. You need to have money going within your own society, as well as selling things to outside societies so like they can let's say send more money into your society you also need to build up an army and then this is when the kumbaya people are like nah man like why what if no one did like okay i'll remove my army when <laughs> germany removes their army or if you're like England, you're like, I'll remove my army once France does. And then it's like the, okay, we're going to jump on, th on three. One, two, three. And then no one jumps. You need an army. It's foolish not to, like, why would you, why do you need an army? Let's think of the questions we're asking here. Why should you develop an army? The most basic one is for defense. Like, that's bare minimum. Think like early times, we Neolithic Revolution, we developed this, these farms, this agricultural system. And let's say we're growing food and life is good. What happens when that happens? People see that and they're like, okay, I'm starving here. Do you think they're going to be like in their mind like, well, but they grew it. No, my child is about to starve to death. I'm going to go take it. So the people who are growing, what do they need to do? They need to build a wall and they need to defend what's theirs because that's the game. In the game, the rules of the game are people will take things from you if they're able to. So you need to prevent them from being able to take things from you. How do you do that? You build an army. How do you build an army? I guess there's a few ways of looking at it. Either you force people, like all males, if you want to be exclusive, all males from the age of 18 will serve for three years. And like, it's mandatory. You make people do it. Or you pay soldiers. Either way, an army costs money. How do you have, where do you get that money? You need to grow the economy. So like, ideally you're trading. Why does money why does money cost army? Why why do armies cost money? If I could speak that would be lovely. You got to feed them. You need all the supplies, bullets, guns, cannons, whatever. That's money. And and this will lead into something else which I'll dive into in just a moment, but like if you're spending all your money on the army and then your people are starving because they're not being provided for, that's going to be a problem. 
So you need to find that balance. But let's say you you bare minimum, you have an army that can defend your land. Are you going to build an army further so you can conquer territory? Why would you conquer and we're, we're going to put it in quotations, even though it is, take someone else's? Why would you do that? You do it, for my estimation, for two reasons. One is to get more resources. So like, you're England, you're a tiny island, you can only do so much with that tiny island. And you need to grow that economy, like you need to sell something that's of value. So, hey man, the climate's a lot better near the Mediterranean or like somewhere in Asia. And by the way, I'm not justifying this. I'm going to have to do a whole disclaimer at the end of this episode, which I'm realizing what I thought was going to be one episode is now going to become two. I, if you're rolling with me, then you're rolling with me. Why do you do it? Why do you conquer and get territory? To get more resources so you can make stuff of value and sell it, ideally, so you can grow your economy. Or... You do it as like a proactive defense action and you're doing it to prevent others from growing. Yeah? Like, think of like bonsai trees. What do you do? You keep that tree in a small pot so it doesn't grow to be some huge tree that's going to take all the sunlight and just bring a shadow over everyone else. So while... They're down. Keep them down. Why would you do that? Because you want your society to currently function and continue to function. And you're thinking long term, if I leave them alone, they're just going to keep growing. And if they keep growing, what am I? I'm just going to trust that they're going to be cool? Who wants to trust that? You trust Hitler? Hindsight would say no. Now, let's let's get the kumbaya perspective here. There, if you spend your time holding others down, that's a lot of money. And then if the chance ever comes where that those people that you've been holding down can grow and then do something in retaliation, do you think they're going to do it? I would say there's a chance. A much better chance than if I was like, what if I took them under my wing? I was like, hey man, let's grow together. Let's all grow together. Let's make the world a better place. That sounds lovely until Hitler shows up. And he's like, nah, and then just like throws a grenade in the room and just like creates chaos. But... This whole, I was going to say like Israel, Palestine, but like that's such a complicated history. Do you, are you creating your own future problems and wars and battles by fighting people now? Or is that just reality of the game? Like, is there an alternative? Can it be done the other way? Is that the smart way to play the game? Because what is winning? It's that your people, I mean, you have to owe an allegiance to your people. Right? Like, 
another country is growing and they're screwing you over with deals and trades and they're taking some of your territory and like while they do it they're killing your people you're like ah you know what good for them though like they're working hard as like your people are starving to death and homeless you're like ah yeah but like germany really wants that and like they're they're playing it great no like you need to serve your people that's priority number one in the present and in the future you are better off and more likely to thrive if you form alliances into an, an economic like trade alliance like hey man let's keep this up i'm gonna give you fish because i'm a coastal land and you keep giving me coffee beans or cheese i don't know i don't i can't grow cheese here we like cheese can't grow it but you are landlocked so you're not going to get any fish so like let's make a little deal here and then you got to negotiate currency prices like what is a fish is a block of cheese worth a fish like you got to figure that out think of like sellers of Catan, like trading who do you trade to? And if you don't play Settlers of Catan, I'm not going to dive into. It's a game where there's a bunch of resources and you're trying to build. Like cities and roads. In order to do that, you need resources. And like if you're in an area where you don't have wood, you need to find someone that has wood and offer them something that they want. But you can't just like... I mean, they could try to screw you over with price and value. So you're going to stand up for yourself like, no, I'm going to go to someone else. You need to figure out like who is giving you what and what are you offering to them. And then you have the military alliances and saying, I like the size of my army, but I would like if it was double, which is unrealistic to just do myself. So let's agree. If someone were to attack you, I got your back. And if someone were to attack me, you got my back, yeah? That does two things. One, it increases the chance of victory just in case someone attacks you, but it also decreases the likelihood that someone's going to attack you because they know, all right, if I get in a fight with Stevenson, I also have to deal with his friend. Now, realistically speaking, they're also forming alliances like the board game lay out the board game in the map you got your people they got their people this is like this is world war one world war two and just history so you need to form you need to grow your economy let's offer up something of value ideally you need so you need to have a product that has value you need to have good location the question rises if you don't have good location what are you going to do either you make a really good alliance with someone who like you can offer them something of value or you really need to start considering taking territory and just like i'm sorry <laughs> like think of like rolling the die in a board game and you're clearly going to attack someone and you just look at them like hey man i'm sorry but like i need this and like you're not offering me a good enough deal like you're you're not helping me and i have to serve my own interest you need to build up a military bare minimum is to defend your own territory want to go further with that 
go further with that. Here's something else to consider in regards to military. And this is like World War One, really. If I am France and I look over and I'm seeing Germany's building up, the, like prior to World War One, like armies were a few hundred thousand. All of a sudden I look over and Germany has like an army of over a million people. Like, oh shoot. <laughs> what are your choices here? I can either not build my army and just trust that Germany's going to be chill, but why would Germany be chill if they're like growing your army to a million people is not chill. So like, what are your choices? Do nothing, do something. What's your priority? Currently function, continue to function. If you want to continue to function, you got to confront the elephant in the room that Germany has built up their army to a million people. That's a reality of the game. Again, kumbaya people, what do you say to that? And I might, I'm like partially kumbaya. I'm as, I'm as kumbaya as I can realistic, realistically be. If you're like totally kumbaya, my, uh, my jersey just came out. You're totally kumbaya. What do you do when Germany's building up their army? Do you just like con congratulate them? Like, man, this looks great. That's awesome. Wow. Awesome. Great job, Germany. All right. And you just like clap and you're like, all right, let's, let's go do our own thing. And just like, you're, if you ignore it, you turn into a, the countless societies that have been overrun by military force, by a military that's more advanced and larger than them. That is a reality of the game. If you don't play that game, you lose. You have to play that game. Until everyone agrees that they're not going to play that part of the game. Again, it would be lovely if the game was everyone tries to the best of their ability to win together. <laughs> Let's all win. And then we're happy. But then there's always a wild card. The scale to that wild card And that, that's another part of the game. Let's say you notice, like, all right, this and this is like World War II, right? Let's say you notice there there's a wild card entering into the game. Like, oh, we got a new player. They just bought in. Uh, his name is Hitler. Um, he's starting to take more territory. He's starting to become a little bit more powerful and clearly showing that he has intentions of, like, not being friendly. At what point do you step in? Right? At what point do you squash the virus? It's not very kumbaya of you. Okay. Grow your economy. Develop your military. Form alliances. So trade in military. And then, <clears throat> realistically, the last one is you need to maintain order within your own territory. So, like... This is it's the most complex board game there is, is because it's there's reality. Like Monopoly is an aspect of it. 
Settlers is an aspect. Risk is an aspect. The reality is it's all happening at once. Like what it takes for a society to function in the modern era is just bonkers. So you got all this stuff going on, right? Like, okay, you're looking across the border and they're building up their military. You don't have that great of location. You're trying to sell things and like develop your economy. While all that's happening, you need to maintain order within your tor- your <laughs> territory, your territory. So like, how do you do that? This is, from my estimation, the unfortunate reality is you just hope and attempt to prevent the lower class from getting too large. Once the lower class like gets too big, then like they get enough voice where they can actually do something, which is unfortunate to think of it like that. But like that seems, if I'm wrong, let me know how I'm wrong. And I'm not saying that it's like, it's right. I'm saying that this is just, I'm observing a trend. You want to prevent the lower class from being too big because when the lower class is small enough, they'll complain but be like, eh, like, cause the middle and upper, the middle class is just probably trying to get to the upper class. The upper class is just trying to maintain things. So they're not really worried about the people at the bottom. Like they'll complain and the middle class will like, oh, just like close their picket fence and like walk into their house. If the lower class gets large enough where all of a sudden they're like going out into the streets, then the middle class, one, is butthurt because that means that some of the people that were middle class are becoming lower class. And they're not happy about that because they just went down. You don't want to go down. <laughs> and like, think about it. You don't, if you're up, you don't want to be down. You just want to get back up. I don't know if we have it within us to like, okay, I want all of us to get back up. I don't even know that's a reality. You need to make sure that the basic needs of your people are being met. Like they're not starving to death. They have clean water. They're not freezing over the winter. Again, ideally, unless like you're Stalin or you're Mao, and if that doesn't mean anything to you, I don't know. Know your history. Um, I guess you could try to just like not care about your people and just like oppress them. That's an option, I suppose. Um, you need to try to create jobs. How do you do that? You build your economy. You have something that's a value within your society as well as like exporting. And ideally, you have a homogenous culture. And what I mean by that, I don't mean it as in like what Hitler meant as in we're all white with blonde hair and blue eyes and we're pure Aryans. Like, I don't mean that like that homogenous. I mean, essentially that when you walk down the street, you're all the same, you're all under the same flag and you feel, and you're at least content with that. You're like, yeah, we're all blank. That's homogenous culture. It doesn't like race, religion, political, whatever, like, as long as everyone is like, listen, we disagree politically, but we're both blank. As long as like that can exist, that's nice. That's what you want. You want a you want people to feel united in some way. I mean, that's culture. Check out the culture unit if you haven't. So this is the game. 
right? You got the map. You have been given a location. If you're landlocked, bummer. Some people, and that this is another reality of the game. A few realities. Some people have better locations than others. Italy, back in the day, had a lovely location. Egypt was along the river in the Sahara Desert. So like that's about as best a location as you can get, I guess, for that for that area. And if you look at the past, sure the whole board game was the world, but like the scale of like players, it was a lot more focused on like specific geographic areas. So like the Mediterranean to those people, that was pretty much the map. They didn't even know arguably about the Americas. The Americas is doing their own thing. And so this next podcast episode, we're going to be diving into what happens when the world opens up and the whole world becomes the map. So that's essentially going to be looking at like, what did Asia look like? Africa look like Europe look like the Americas around 1500. And then how did they progress to the eve of the Industrial Revolution? Because if we're looking at the world now, like Europe, for a while, was dominating the game. I don't know if we want to call it winning, because by dominating, that means they're like oppressing a whole other, (laughs) the world. So like, I don't know if we want to call that winning, but they dominated because they got to have choice. But that's the game, right? The game essentially is you got this territory. You need to ensure that this your society can, currently functions and continue to functions. There are always wild cards. You have to deal with the reality of if you don't play the game in a certain way, like if someone invades you, there's no parent or referee that's going to like blow the whistle like, stop, you can't do that. It's like, well, who's going to stop them? You have to stop them. The game never ends. Like, there's no rest. The Roman Empire was dominating the game. Look at them now. Empires come up, they rise up, they thrive, and then they fall. The game never ends until the world blows up or until the sun swallows it. The game never ends. And you are always in competition with someone else who may or may not be cool. So the question is, like, look around at all the different players. Do you trust them? And do you want to wait to find out if they're going to be cool or not? Or do you want to, like, hey, man, let's get a little proactive here. Let's punch someone in the face and establish dominance before they get the chance to punch us. And then you punch them like, yo, I was never going to punch you. Like, you say that. You say you were never going to punch me, but do I believe you? So this whole episode was just essentially arguing that if you look at history, and that's going to, I kind of like explained it, right? And now we're going to look at the past from the perspective of how was the board game, how was the game played out? How did the different players play the game? 
because we're going to see at a certain time in history, Europe, who was borderline irrelevant and just like real butt hurt about their location and like dealing with their own stuff, all of a sudden starts to rise up at a time where rising up doesn't just mean like dominating your your geographic local scale isn't like the mediterranean rising up means you can take over the world what allows that to happen industrialization thus the industrialization unit all right folks that is the end of class you don't have any homework this week i will see y'all next week peace bells ringing Pistons.